0: Liveth to make intercession for those who have trusted in the offering that that high priest has given. And that offering is the same one that is the high priest. So Christ is both the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and He is our great high priest that ever liveth to make intercession for us. And He has poured out and is pouring out a whole new life if you're a new creature. He's conforming you to His image by the power of the Holy Spirit using the word of God. That's what we see in the book of Hebrews. When you get to the book of James, we find out in the book of James, we, we learn that this, the promise is this whole new life in your everyday life. Somehow in American Christianity, the, the days of walking with God are few and far between, but they're not meant to be. It's not meant to be a Sunday morning idea. It's meant to be all day, every day, a deep, wonderful walk with God. One that God is the initiator of. One that God is the completer of. One that God is accomplishing in your life as you simply say, here, Lord, please, here. Here in my life, do these things. So we learn that in James. When you get to first, when you get to first Peter, what we realize in First Peter is that God wants us to have this this joy unspeakable and full of glory all the time under all the circumstances of life and then when we come to second peter god wants you to understand that you can continue to grow there will be a continual growing in grace a continual growing in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So this is what God wants us to understand and it really does matter that you understand this in its context. In other words, it's important to you that we not just get wrapped up in a couple of words although we're going to look at a couple of words together this morning, but you need to see the big picture. God wants you to grow. If you're not growing in grace, if you're not growing in your knowledge, in the knowledge of the Lord your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is how this book makes it clear then something's missing you're not getting what god wants for you god wants you to grow god promises you that you can grow and he wants you to be encouraged by this now let's just i'm going to read a little bit starting in verse 1 second peter oneone i 1. i'm going to i'm going to put an emphasis is, excuse me i'm going to put an emphasis in as i'm reading And I want you to notice a couple of things. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, those exceeding great and precious promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, So in these first four verses, we see twice that God wants us to understand that the grace and peace in our life, that all that pertains to life and godliness in our life comes through the knowledge of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants you to know him. This is really important. Now, when you get down to verse five, so now that we've trusted Christ and it says, uh, and beside all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue, Knowledge Again, we see this idea of knowledge. Go down to verse 8. And if these things be in you and abound, these things being the, the, the things we just would have looked at when we were back in that part of the study, it says they, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, a knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop here for just a minute. A knowledge of Jesus Christ is not a knowledge about Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ. Do you understand the difference? Right? How many, of you, how many of you know Jacob McKinney? How many of you know Jacob McKinney? So, now, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay. So, what that means, to a degree, is if I said, where is Jacob McKinney here this morning? And if he is, where is he? that most of you that raised your hand would be able to stand up and point to Jacob McKinney and say, that's Jacob McKinney, okay? That doesn't mean you know him, though, right? Now, some of you could say, well, he was our our youth pastor for a number of years, and so I do know him, and you might. You might know things about him, but you might actually know him. But there's a young lady sitting really close to him right now, and I'm guessing she knows him. You know what I mean? She knows him. It, and so here's what I mean. You could say whatever you wanted to say about Jacob to her, and it wouldn't change her opinion of him. Because what, it might change her opinion of you, but it won't change your opinion, her opinion of him. Why? Why? Because she knows him. She already knows him. She knows whatever shortcomings he has, She knows what, what caused her to fall in love with him, why they're married and have children together. She knows all there is, really, probably, to know about him. And that's what God wants us to understand. In a little bit, we're going to talk about, really, the title of this message this morning could be this, Remember What You Know. But I want you to understand that there are two things that God is going to talk about. We're going to get to remember. The word's going to be remember. Remember what you know. But what God wants you to know is him. And his word. Him and his word. But if you know him the way you could know him, when someone talked about him poorly, you would feel no need to defend your religion. You would feel no need to to defend your Baptist distinctives. You would simply be like this. Oh, I wish you wouldn't talk about my Lord Jesus that way. Because you obviously don't know him. Because if you knew God, that's not how you talk about him. Because he's precious. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's awesome, honestly. He's more wonderful than I can explain. It makes me think of S.M. Lockridge. I wonder, do you know him, right? I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable, right? After going on for like 30 minutes saying such tremendous truths, all biblical truths about the Lord Jesus, just rapid fire. Then he gets done. He says, I wish I could describe him to you. He's so wonderful. This is what God wants. Listen, This is we're going to talk about this this morning. God wants you to know him, and he wants you to know him his word. Then he wants you to remember that. The list that we see, let's look at this list because it's going to say, if these things, let's look at the list. So it starts in verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence. So besides having trusted Christ, that's what it says up to verse four. And beside this, having trusted Christ, giving all diligence, give all your energy and effort and time into this, add to your faith virtue. And again, we're not going to go through the list and what they all mean this morning. And to virtue, knowledge. into knowledge, temperance. into to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things, what things? Those things we just looked at, be in you and bound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you really know him then these things will be in your life in a life-changing way. Please hear me. This is not religion. This is relationship. If your relationship with Christ is one of being duty-bound to behave yourself in a certain way when you assemble on Sunday morning, you probably don't really know Jesus. Because if you knew Jesus then the song that we sang that's the power of the cross would probably give you the same weeping voice that it gives me every time we sing it. This is such a tremendous truth that he has done for us. This is such a marvelous thing and this is our Savior. This is our Christ. Father, forgive them. They're killing him. They're, They're literally killing him and they're mocking him while they're killing him and he says father forgive them for they don't know what they do that's our savior and god wants you to know him this knowledge is critical to your peace you're never going to have peace through your efforts you're never going to have peace through being correctly religious when I have conversations with people and they want to defend something that they've said or done, it, it, it puzzles me. I, you, listen, you don't need to defend yourself for me to love you. you understand? And if your relationship with Christ is that you have to be right so that he will love you, you don't know the love of Christ. Because you are not right. You understand the best thing that you could do is just be honest with yourself and say, I am so imperfect that I'm thankful that Jesus loves me at all. Period. Once you lay hold of that, everybody else around you is just like you. and It becomes very, very simple. Everybody around me is just as imperfect as I am. And I am so thankful for how perfect Jesus is, but not perfect in behavior although he is perfect in his behavior. That's how he can justify us, by the way. The interesting thing is he's perfect in his love, but he can be perfect in his love and not perfect in his behavior, and his blood would do us no good. We need a lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, amen? But he is perfect in his behavior, and still he loves us, right? You know, those of us that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, Those of us that have any sin at all cannot throw rocks at somebody else. Only someone who has no sin could condemn. Jesus has no sin, and he's the one who won't condemn. Amen. His last words, his last words. You You go look at his last public teaching. It's in John chapter 12. And this is what he says. If you don't receive what I tell you, even then I won't judge you. Unfortunately, my words will judge you. What he's saying is this, if you reject me, I will still love you. I will still die for you. But if you die rejecting me, my words, which would have rescued you, will speak against you on that day. And I don't want them to, so please believe me because I love you. That's our Lord Jesus. This is what God wants you to have. So we get down to verse 12. And because of, because of the change that can be in your life right that's what it's saying the change that can be in your life if you don't have this change in your life you are an unfruitful christian even if you truly are born again if these changes aren't being made in your life your life is not helpful to the people around you but if these changes are in your life then you can be a tremendous blessing and a tremendous help that's why we're here we're here to point people to jesus but a good sign is a sign that people can trust. And there are too many people who call themselves Christians who live in such a way that they're a terrible sign. They themselves ruin the testimony of the very Christ they think they're pointing to because I'm telling you, Christ is powerful enough to change us. And the people around us need to see those changes. That's what they need to see. Listen, I am telling you, they do not care a lick about our dress standards. They do not care a lick about our hymns. They do not care a lick about anything. But if they see a real change in you, a selfless love in you, a peace that literally passes their understanding in you, they will say, what have you got? I need that. And your answer will be, it's not a what, it's a who. And it's Jesus. And he can change you because you are no worse than me. And they'll say, Oh, you don't know me. And you say, I don't have to know you. I'm, I know my Jesus. You understand? I know how great He is. And I know that you are not worse than He can help. No matter what you've done, He can rescue you. Amen. Now, verse 12, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. I said last week that that, that Peter basically said, I have no new messages, I have no new outlines. I'm going to keep preaching the same Jesus is awesome message for the rest of my life. Period. Jesus can change you. He promises you can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That's the promise of God. That's my message. And let's, let's keep reading it. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye, and put your underline, because we're looking at that word knowledge, though ye what? know them. Now here's the good news. You can't remember, hear me, listen, listen, this is really important. The preacher can't ask you to remember that which is good for you if you don't already know it. Okay? Do you understand? This is a really, this verse demonstrates the confidence that Peter has in those that he's speaking to that they are indeed truly already born again. Weak or strong in their walk right now, they are new creatures. And so what he's saying is this, because you know Jesus, because you know these things, I want you to remember them. This is what I want you to remember. Now, one of the things, I was thinking about this, in fact, I was talking about it this morning. Um, It's hard for us, listen to me, it's hard for us to separate doctrine from preference. Let me explain what I mean by this. This is going to help some of you a great deal. Some of you have been born again for a long time, and you've heard a lot of preaching and teaching. And all preaching and teaching is not equal. Chapter 2 is going to make that really clear to us. We need preaching and teaching. But all preaching and teaching is not equal. So let me ask you this. Where can you be confident in the preaching and teaching? Where can you be confident in the preaching and teaching? And the answer is in your Bible. You can be confident in your Bible. Now, let me say this. I was talking to someone this morning. I said, all all pastors and teachers that have been in our lives have been fallible. Right? I'm fallible. I know know that we are fallible. All preachers, all, all pastors are not flawless. None. None are flawless. None. Jesus is flawless. The Word of God is flawless. And yet, and yet, the Bible tells us that he gave a gift to the church of pastors and teachers. <laughs> this, I remember when I was a young person, somebody said to me, you think you're a gift from God, right? And I remember thinking, as an unsaved, arrogant person, kind of a little bit, I think I, I do, yeah. But we're not. Ironically, pastors, the bishop, the office of a bishop, is a gift from God. But wh- listen, Why? Why? Why is that? Listen, if, if what I'm saying is that men, preachers and teachers, are not that which you need to put 100% confidence in, then why should I preach at all? And the answer is so that you'll know that the Word of God can be trusted. Do you understand? In other words, m- my responsibility this morning is for your confidence to be in the Word of God, not in the man standing in the pulpit. Do you understand? And so you have heard, you have been taught, you going uh, have to say this, so I'm going to say, Some of the things that you know about Jesus, somebody else told you. And they were wrong. Do you understand? Do you understand? The apostle himself is going to say, look, we didn't make up clever things when we taught you about Jesus. In fact, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration and yet we have a more sure word of testimony. Let's look at that together. Let's look at that toward the end of the chapter. It says in verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. In other words, we the apostles, those of us that God has called to plant churches all over the world, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. These are not stories, we did not make them up. We did not sit down for a while and collaborate and come up with a really good religion and say, "Hey, let's make this a religion." We're telling you Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Christ of God, he is the Messiah, he is God Almighty. For he received, for he, he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now this is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So he's testifying to what he knows. But notice what he does. This is so important. We have also a, now you really need to underline this. Underline this if you've never underlined this. More sure word of prophecy. I am tired Truly tired of all preaching and teaching that is experience-based. Experience-based preaching and teaching will not help you. You can testify. Praise God to what God has done in your life. You can testify. But if you want to help someone, give them the word of God. Do you understand? Your testimony is wonderful for you. What Peter is saying is, I know who Jesus is. I was there, but you don't have to take my word for it. You can take the word of God on it. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that encouraging? So listen, remember what you know, but what do you know? All of chapter 2 is going to say this. There are so many false teachers. There's so much garbage that you can hear. Don't remember that. Don't know that. Know what the word of God says. And so what I want to do is this. I want you to notice from what we've seen together, first of all, the the fact knowing, 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 remember, 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 over and over and over again. And what I want you to see with me this morning, just quickly, is two things, two things that God wants you to know. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. So listen, remember what you know, but be careful what it is that you know. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life To as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might what? Know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So what is eternal life? What is eternal life? And the answer is it's knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. Okay? What will it be like in eternity? What will heaven be like? And the answer is, we'll know God. We'll know God perfectly. Eternal life is knowing God. Now, Do you understand? God wants you to know him. And again, please remember, there's a difference between being able to point somebody out, giving a few facts about somebody, and actually knowing somebody. God doesn't want you to be able to point Jesus out of a lineup. He doesn't want you to be able to give a list of a few details about Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ. He wants you to know him. God, God Almighty wants you to know him. And that's important. Now, there's another passage that goes with this. Go to uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 7. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul who had a great deal of, of uh, things to uh, gained from in his life, okay? Very brilliant man, very capable individual, and this is what he said about this. But what things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things. All things are but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, this is such a wonderful truth. So what is he saying? Listen, what is he saying? Please hear me. What is he saying? I have every benefit you could ever hope to have, and I want none of it. I will take everything else that I could have, and I'll put it down and say, I just want to know Jesus. That's it. I just want to know Jesus. So how are we going to grow how are we going to grow? How can we be promised? How can we be sure of healthy growth in our life? These things being added to our life, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temper? How can we be sure? And this is the answer. Draw close to God. Draw close to God through his word. Draw close to God. Know God. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to know him. That's what he wants. This is devotion. If you, go, if you want to go back to 2 Peter, somewhere in the margin where, we're, where it's talking about remembering and knowing, write this thing, two things, two things that God wants you to know. One is devotional, and that's him. God wants you to know him. That's devotional. The other one is doctrinal. Go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. This is really important to where we're going in uh, in 2 Timothy, something that's really important to where we're going in 2 Peter is shown to us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known what? The holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Sounds very much like what we're looking at in 2 Peter, doesn't it? You wanna know why? Because it's the same truth. This is doctrine. The first, look up here, I'm, and I'm done, I'm really done for the morning. Without devotion. Without devotion, without a worship of God as the foundation of your walk with God, your doctrine is irrelevant. Do you understand? Is doctrine important? Doctrine is critically important. But without devotion, it is worthless. Without a love of Without you, again, I don't, I don't know how to express it well. It's really hard for me to express this well. It takes many words, I guess is what I'm saying, for me to express this well. When your love for Jesus is so wonderful that when someone says something against him, you don't feel the need to show your knowledge to defend him. Do You understand what I'm saying? You don't feel like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me give you some verses. I can correct you because I'm smarter in my Bible than you are. Well, Satan's smarter in his Bible than you are. You understand? So that's a bad tactic. But here's what happens. When you just love him, when when Satan attacks the father, the son is not bothered by the attack. Do you understand? When Satan attacks the father, right? Look, if you be the son of God, maybe you should make these stones into bread because obviously your father doesn't care about you because you're starving to death, right? And what has he said? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. My father is not mistreating me right? The son's devotion, and when I say devotion, I mean love. I mean such a desirous love, joy in his relationship. The son's devotion to the father is so clearly wonderful, you can't break it. That's what God wants. That's the gift that God has given us. He so loves us, and if we understood that love, our doctrine would line up just simply. Because it wouldn't be about arguing with them or arguing with them or arguing with them. It would simply be about, no, I'm telling you, Jesus is wonderful. He's wonderful. And I just want to walk. I want to walk. Somebody asked me a question this morning about something, a specific doctrinal thing, right? What do you think about blah, blah, blah? And my response was, "Mm, I don't have peace about that. Meaning, the thing that I was being asked about, I don't know that it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. But here's what I realized I don't have a piece about it, so I won't do it. I don't have a piece about it, so we wouldn't do it here at Tidewater because I don't have a piece about it and I happen to be responsible. And again, you guys can just vote me out if you want to do whatever that thing is, but I only can live by my conviction. But that's all God wants you to do is to live by your conviction. But your conviction can't be just doctrinal. Your conviction must be devotional. Do you understand? If the love of God isn't what rules your heart, your doctrine is going to hurt other people. But if the love of God does rule your heart, then you're, the doctrine that you believe will help other people because you'll hold it the way you should hold it. You won't hold it to show off. You won't hold it to beat people with a stick. You'll just say, I'm telling you, Jesus is wonderful. And they'll say, well, then let's do blah, blah, blah. I can't do that anymore. Why not? Well, because the Bible says blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's what the Bible means when it says that. Well, then you do whatever you think. I can only do what I think. Do you understand? I can only live according to my conviction, but I'm only living according to my conviction not to win favor with God. I have all favor with God because of the blood. Now because of my love for God, I just want to live like I'm supposed to. Amen? I'm not going to be justified by this. I'm not better than you because I do it this way. I only have to do it this way because I'm convicted to do it this way. But I'm telling you, my justification is because of the blood. My justification is because of the love of God. So God wants you to understand this this is really important. Remember what you know, but your knowledge must be first God and then his word. Do you understand? First it must be God himself. And if you don't understand what I mean when I say that maybe you're not saved, but you can be. Because God wants you to be saved. But all God wants for us is such a deep and wonderful relationship that we simply Walk with him in peace, joy, love, the fullness of the spirit in our lives. Our doctrine being what it should be by conviction, because our relationship with him makes it so. Right. There were things that Jesus couldn't do. He couldn't do certain things. But what were those things? Things that would hurt other people. He couldn't do those things. Why? Because he loved his father and he loved them. That's what God is. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I hope this helps you. I I couldn't be any more excited about the truth that we're looking at this morning, and I couldn't be any more aware of how difficult it is for me to convey this to you. God wants you to know his love. God wants you to know that he is love. God wants you to know him. Then live according to the word of God as you understand it while you walk with him. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, how many of you are willing to realize, and you know, I've been living according to my convictions, and some of my convictions were, I lived without a Christmas tree in my house for a long time. Right? But it really was somebody else's conviction. And then Mrs. Murphy, you know, happened to have decorated the room that we're standing in. Right? Back before it was this, you know, it was a little bit different back then. But there was a Christmas tree right on the platform right? That first year that, that we had come over and merged with this church, there was a Christmas tree right on the platform. And I walked in, right those, we well, weren't at those doors, but the doors that were in that area. I walked through, and she was standing there. And we liked each other a lot. I got along really well with Mrs. Murphy. And uh, I was standing beside her, and she said, what do you think? And it was beautiful. All the, it was all green and red. That's back before white and blue were the colors for Christmas. It was all green and red. It was warm. It was wonderful. And I looked around, and I said, it's beautiful. And she said, what do you think of the tree? And I thought, man, if you hadn't asked me, I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> and I said, it's pretty, because it was. I said, but I don't know, that, I don't know about having a tree on the platform. And she said, really? Do you think we should put it in the back of the room? And I said, well, we don't have a tree in our house. She said, why not? I said, well, because we don't want it to get in the way of worshiping Jesus. And she said, that's funny, because I never worshiped my tree. And she walked away. (laughs) And as she was walking away, I thought to myself, I think I'm having a Christmas tree this year. (laughs) Anyway, and by the way, I I was taught not to have a Christmas tree from the pulpit. Do you understand? There's a difference between preference and worship. Do you understand? Jesus, draw close to him. Live according to your conviction. Let others live according to their convictions. If you love Jesus, you'll be a help to people. If you let the love of Jesus work through you, you'll be a help to people. You're not going to be a help to everybody. Part of it's just personality. Some people aren't going to like you. Some of you are hard to like, you know, you're just really hard to like. And I know that because I'm really hard to like. I really am hard to like, I know that, I really do. So be humble enough to understand you can't help everybody. Just help the people that you can, but love everybody. Whether they even like you, just love them and help the ones you can. say, well, where's the power? Where do I get the power to live like that? And that's why you walk close to Jesus, because the Holy Spirit has that kind of power. The Holy Spirit is able to love everybody around you. He already does. You understand? He already cares for them. You say, but they're mean to me. That's okay. He loves them anyway. He died for them, right? One of the things John was saying this morning, he didn't go into it a great deal. I thought he was going to. He started to early. early, By the way, his Sunday school lesson was tremendous again this morning. But what he was talking about, the the sower went forth to sow and he threw the seed everywhere, right? He threw the seed everywhere. And and, and when you read the passage and you think the, the ground that it hit, you think, well, he should have been more careful with the seed. But here's the thing about the sower. You know, the sower is really Jesus, right? Really, the sower is Jesus. And here's the thing. He loves everybody so much that he just gives the truth to everybody. They may receive it, they may reject it, but he's still going to get You want to know why? I was thinking about this. Why do we, when we plant seed, we planted seed out, well, we planted some, I think, in the, on the sidewalk, maybe in the parking lot from the way it grew this summer. Okay, but, but we planted seed. But normally when you plant seed, you're careful about the ground you put it in. Why? Because seed costs money. And so we don't want to just throw it around. But here's the thing. God has so much love that he can just throw it everywhere. Whether it's received or rejected, it doesn't matter to him because he actually loves everybody that much. So a sower goes forth to sow the good news where? Everywhere. Well, but you say, but there are 7 billion people on the planet and most of them are rejecting that good news. Yes, they are. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love them. And when they are condemned, it won't be because he didn't love them. Do you understand? It's because they rejected his love. So let us live perfectly. That's what God says, right? He says, I let the rain fall on the just and the unjust. He so loves everybody, he takes care of everybody. And this is what he's saying. You live that way too. You just be kind to the people around you, though they're not kind to you. You live by your convictions. Please live by your convictions. God's not asking you to sacrifice. The reason that martyrs die is because they wouldn't sacrifice their conviction, not because they were jerks, right? They simply said, no, I got I to keep my Bible. And they said, no, no, give your Bible up or die. I'll have to die, I guess, because I'm not giving up my Bible. Recant. Say that Jesus isn't the Christ. I can't say that Jesus isn't the Christ. He is the Christ right? He's my Savior. He's wonderful. Recant or die. I guess I'll have to die, right? But there's not, oh, fooey on you. God give you yours. That's not it. If you don't believe me, go look at Stephen as he's dying. Lord, don't lay this to their charge. They're killing him. Don't lay this to their charge. This is what we need. This is what American Christianity needs. And it's promised. That's the wonderful thing. This is in the book where God promises healthy growth. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for being yourself, always and continually. Thank you for being yourself to such a degree that you overpower us by your love. I thank you for that tremendous, tremendous love. I thank you for all of the truth that's in your word. And I thank you that that truth matters because of who you are. Lord, I pray that we would understand your word devotionally and then that we would live according to our conscience doctrinally. But Lord, without that devotion, we just end up being Pharisees. We just end up hurting people with our doctrine. Lord, please don't let us be those kind of people. Please bless us with such a tremendous understanding of how great your love is, and such a reciprocating love for you and for those around us, that we would live in such a way to be a benefit to each other. Thank you, Father, for your word and for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.